Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the UX Podcast. Matt Johnson here. We have got a phenomenal conversation with you. This was a ton of fun. And not only that, but man alive, the content on this episode is fantastic. Um, Whether you're a coach or consultant, uh, or whether you're an agency owner, you're going to get a ton of value out of this. We're talking with Dallas Hardcastle. And Dallas is the founder of the Owned Experience. He's a business experience acceleration specialist. He helps entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants get flooded with clients. And there's a few really specific things that I think you'll take away from this particular conversation. Number one is the power of ones. In other words, getting better results from fewer tactics. And this is a big thing that we talk about in kind of in the world of UX. I would put this under the bucket of focus, right? In other words, limiting and and narrowing our focus like a laser going from diffused light to absolutely you know, narrow, narrow, razor sharp focus um, to the point where we focus on, you know, fewer tactics and get better results from those tactics. So we talk about the power of ones. We talk about Dallas's absolute formula for massive success and how to engineer a value bomb, which is Dallas's name for what I would call a profitable primary offer that attracts ideal clients, removes objections, and forms the basis of a successful business. And this gets back to the idea of focus, right? So a value bomb, in other words, is your primary offer. So as opposed to having a bunch of different things that you sell, you want to have one primary thing that you sell and then maybe some profit maximizers around that. But the one primary thing that you sell has to be an absolute value bomb, which I completely agree with Dallas on. It has to be such a no-brainer for our ideal clients that they come in and go, how can I not? Like, I can't afford not to do this. This sounds amazing. And so Dallas teaches people how to really come up with uh, a super compelling primary offer that hits the clients like a value bomb. And it removes objections and it forms the basis of a successful business by giving you one primary thing to sell. And then the other things that you sell form uh, almost like profit maximizers around that one thing. And this is an approach that can be used whether you're a coach, consultant, or an agency owner. In fact, I think if you're selling any type of professional service, it's absolutely applicable. So uh, I'm super excited for you to hear this conversation. Dallas is a super high energy guy. It was a really fun conversation, but the content was just as good as the quality of the conversation and just the fun and the energy level that we had. So I know you got a ton of value out of this. So let's jump in with Dallas Hardcastle. All right, Dallas Hardcastle. First of all, the owner of the best name in the universe. Welcome to the show officially. <laughs> How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you very much for having me today, Matt. And and uh, I boy, did I get lucky with the uh, with the with the name lottery? Yeah, you totally did. <laughs> How can you not have confidence? Absolute and total rock solid confidence in a man named Dallas Hardcastle. So. Um, so tell for, for the folks that don't know uh, or haven't heard of you and, and kind of the work that you do, uh, how do you describe, what do you tell people, especially your, your ideal clients in like the coaching consulting space, how do you explain what you do for them? Um, in a real simple area that uh, I walk in and I want to help them to be able to get a crystallized, clear vision of really what they're great at. They pull that stuff out of their head and be able to put it out in front of them. 
uh, I've come to realize finally after after all these years that I, I probably have one superpower and that's it. <laughs> but but the the one superpower I have is really being able to help. Uh, I, I can I can see much greater potential in other people than they can in themselves, hmm. and, and that's my one great superpower, which which lends into stuff we'll talk about here. I, I think in a little bit, but, but what I can help do is be able to see that potential in them, be able to clarify all that stuff that's inside their head, and then to be able to take all these kind of disparate pieces of information, mm-hmm. put them in a way that adds a ton of value, makes it clear to their audience, find the right audience for them, mm-hmm. and then being able to get that value out there that allows them to realize that that offer they had that was maybe at X dollars, uh, really, we can build a value into that, that that creates it at three, five, 10, 20 times uh, what they were previously doing. Gotcha. Okay. So it's interesting. So let's talk about the, the superpower part of it. Uh, Cause I hundred percent agree. And, and it's something that that'll, we'll deal with more in the UX book when that comes out uh, later on. Uh, like I call them superpower, like superpowers are X factors. So the, the unique skills, attributes and abilities. Right. Um, and that's one of the, the most difficult things for me was to identify those three things. Part of the problem for me was that I used to work in an agency where I later realized that the CEO who I worked directly for had the same three X factors. So I was <laughs> like, I literally got into a situation where, uh, my mentor effectively <laughs> overshadowed me because he was seven years further down the path and had the exact same superpowers that I did. Yeah. So I had to get out of that situation to even really figure out what those were, which is that that's an interesting conversation about mentorship. But um, when you, so you figured out what your one thing is, which I would, you know, like there's, there's gotta be a couple more, you know, like I think you're underestimating yourself there. But anyway, um, but when you work with clients and uh, what are some of the questions that have been most effective that help them pull those superpowers out into the light? Let's put it that way. Uh, I think some of the, the, the questions that I'm usually asking is, is number one, uh, and, and, and it's a process that we take uh, every single client through and, and, and is required to do because I, I had to do it on myself. Uh, I had to do it for myself years back yeah. uh, because I was so stuck, is getting them in a place where so oftentimes the, the, the people I work with, they know they know the part about the goal, right? They, we, we hear about the goal that if you don't know where you're heading, how can you know how to get there? So we, we all hear that piece. Mm-hmm. The, the piece that I have found so often with my clients is that they, they don't know where they're beginning. And that beginning point is, is that they can't clearly articulate, you know, their personal philosophy, their personal power statement, you know, describing who they are, where they are at their best, uh, taking, you know, 20 or, or 30 of the best adjectives and adverbs and, and listing those all out of what, who are they at their very, very best. And the vast majority of time, I find that people have trouble and they struggle with being able to get their goals and their targets when they don't know where they're starting. It's that proverbial, well, you know, I know my goal. My goal is to get to LA. You are like, okay, that's great. Where are you starting from? And right. they candidly don't know if they're starting from Seattle or from, you know, Denver or from New York or, or Florida. So I want to get them like, get them to see through my eyes. What is it that makes you this world-class genius that has this world-class talent? How can we really pull out all the best stuff? So you have this clear vision of really just how awesome and great you are. And then from there, Let's now begin to build from that point rather than, okay, well, I think I'm kind of here, so let me build a business. It's like, no, 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 you're here. Now, let's build a business. Mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, and, and going back to the, the words, the language that goes into that personal power statement, how do you, how do you uncover some of those 
so that they can, you can then put it back into the statement. It is, you know, who are you at your very, very best? And, and when I want someone to be at their very best, it's not sitting down uh, like you and I are just staring into a computer, right? Because this is where we're calm. There's not a lot of movement going on. Well, first of all, how dare you? This is where I'm at my best. <laughs> <laughs> this is my place right here. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm at my best when I'm seated. Yeah. <laughs> So when, when I'm going to do my creative work, and this is what I do with the, the clients is, is like, you know, first of all, it's like, get up, move, go on a power walk, get yourself frothy, get sweat mm-hmm. on that brow <laughs> and, and, and be fired up, you know, get yourself okay. excited and ready and, and at that, you know, that high state, you know, we all yeah, know what yeah. you know, these peak high state is, get yourself into this high state and then get that, that recorder, that voice recorder, and just start speaking into that recorder while you're moving, start to get mm-hmm. those words. It's really like, I'm dynamic, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm mm-hmm. relentless, I'm vigilant, I'm friendly, I'm, you know, and, and you start to get through what are all of these things that describe you at your very, very best, then come back and then write on a big board again, so you're not just sitting in front of that computer, but so there's still movement inside of a room, begin to write these things down and organize a little bit, say, it's like, okay, amazing, uh, explosive, I'm loyal, uh, I'm friendly, uh, I'm a connector, um, I'm, I'm, I'm visual, I'm articulate, I'm a cheerleader, you know, mm-hmm. just getting these things out. And then when you get all these words and then begin to craft just, you know, a, a 15 to 20 word statement that is, I am this relentless, ruthless, driven leader who inspires change and lifts others to, you know, run through their passions. Mm-hmm. And, and something that you can put into a statement that articulates, this is who you are at your very, very, very best. So when someone walks up to you and, and they have a bat and they're like, Matt, I need you to clearly articulate who you are and what you stand for right now. Or I'm going to smack you in the head with this bat. You can just drop what that is. Okay. And you know who you are and that's where you are at your best rather than, okay, let me sit down here on my couch and, and try to think through how great I am. Doesn't yeah. yeah, I thought of the, there's a great, um, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but there's a great phrase, I'll just put it that way from Tony Robbins, where he said, essentially, don't set, don't set strategy or make strategic decisions in a low physical state right? You make strategic decisions when you're in peak state, because then that'll be more of the correct decision. Uh, and, and I didn't, it, it, hearing that statement caused me to look back and go, I wonder how many strategic decisions I made kicked back, you know what I'm saying? Like in navel gaze mode, right? Just thinking, you know, looking for clarity. And, and I think what you said is really good because the more, the more we get into action, the clarity comes from the combination of focus and physiology, not just focused thought. You know, and a lot of us want to just kind of sit back and think about things as opposed to like getting into action. It 100%. I mean, when, when, when someone is thinking of this personal philosophy, that's it, got to be movement, action, heart rate, breathing. When mm-hmm. someone's thinking about that offer, it's heart rate, movement. It's like when you're at your peak great state, that's where, that's where those things that come from out of here that then the next day when you are just kind of hanging around on your couch, then you look at it and you're like, well, what the heck was I thinking? Well, <laughs> what you were thinking was as your truest, greatest, most potent self, and you were clearly defined as to who you are and what it is that you can achieve. And now that next day, you know, it's that proverbial when people are like, well, let me sleep on it. Let me think about it overnight. Well, oh, good. Let's figure out a way to move ourselves from this really excited, I can do anything, run through a wall state to, 
oh, okay, now I've got my senses back. I'm not that smart, that good, that talented. I can't do that much. It's like, and that's true. No, no, don't you know, take what, what that strategy. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what that's that's exactly what people want. That is an incredible point. I've never thought of that before. But when people want to think about it, what they're doing is they want to get back into their normal state. And they want to make sure that they're okay with the strategy when they feel average or worse. And if the, if they don't feel it at that point, then it's the wrong strategy. That's interesting. It's like, I'm excited. I'm a world stopper. I can, I can put a dent in the globe. I can do anything in the planet. Mm-hmm. Let me think about this. And then right. tomorrow you get, where do you go tomorrow? Yeah. You go comfortable. Yep. You can go now, back to equilibrium. You're, you're, there you are. There you are. And you're like, I'm not a superhuman whatsoever. What was I thinking? <laughs> I can't do anything extraordinary. I'm going to leave yeah. that for some of those other alien people who can do the extraordinary things. It's like, yeah. no, you are one of those people. You are, and you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing is that it's, it's, I think one of the most difficult things about clarity and strategy in general, especially when we get those kind of strategic level breakthroughs that a lot of times come in those peak states is that we feel like the only way that we can continue to take action on it is to be in that peak state, which that's not realistic. Like we're always going to come back to equilibrium. There's a certain amount of discipline and commitment that it takes to say, look, I, I committed to this and I don't feel all the time like I'm that person, but I'm damn sure going to take the action that that type of person would take. And if I just do that, like that's kind of the realization that hit me a couple of years ago is I started to get a sense of like what my X factors were, what my unique skills and abilities were. And I basically said, look, I'm not where I want to be. I'm, I'm not at the level of success that I want to be. And my, it might take a while for my mindset to acknowledge when I'm even there, even once I get there. But there's one thing I can do. I can take the action that I think that successful person in my mind's eye would take, and I can just focus on the action. The, the absolute formula for massive wins in my book is you get yourself into that crazy, sweaty, heavy breathing, peak slobbery state. You set that target, those, those strategies, that offer, that, that perfect client, all of that value, that great big value bomb that you can create for others. You do that there. And then the plan is created. So that daily plan is then created. So then the next right. day when you're down, you're in your equilibrium. Now your plan is, okay, well, I need to do five of these and three of these. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I can do five of those and three of those. Like yeah. even when you're not just gonzo crazy, but five and three, and then you do that for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days later. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm starting to hit that, that crazy level that, that my insane self thought of that one day. Yeah. So, Rather than, okay, nope, I'm back here. I, I said a million dollars. No, 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 no. Let, let's shoot for a hundred thousand. Let's shoot mm-hmm. for that one. That's much more yeah. real. Yeah. Um, the plan, even when you're not in that state, can get you there. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Um, so I, uh, I think um, I, I love the concept of like putting things into a daily rhythm because that I think that's extremely helpful, practical for exactly the same reasons we just talked about. And yeah, when you translate it into, okay, just do five of these and three of these, it gives us a rhythm that we can plug into where we just make it happen and we make it happen and we make it happen. And, uh, I think that's one of the things that people struggle with the most is taking all the advice 
that's kind of in the ends up getting lumped into the I need to and I should to's and translate it into, okay, this is what I do today. Right. And this is what I'm going to, and I already know what I'm going to do tomorrow because I'm going to wake up tomorrow and guess what? It's five of this and three of that. And then the next day after that, it's five of this and three of that. Um, I'm, I'm blessed with the fact that I, I gravitate more towards that performance style than, than the roller coaster of 12 hour days and then massive levels of, you know, having to take vacation. And like, I'm not a very roller coastery person. I know people that are, uh, and I envy the fact that they can put in like when they're focused and they're on, they can put 10, 12, 14, 16 hour days in. I, I, that's not me. But then they turn around and go, well, I envy you because I can't do the just relentless day in, day out stuff. Um, so it's kind of funny that everybody has like a performance style that is that they're drawn to naturally. But I think it, overall, I think what gets us the best results is just consistency over time. However, we arrive at that. It, if, if it's you consider that that marathon or if you consider it the, the intermittent sprints, whichever yeah, one works for great. you. Say if you're doing the sprints, if you can do a sprint for four hours a day and then you just got to shut down four hours a day of sprinting for most, most business owners, most entrepreneurs will make magic happen as long as they can sprint for those four hours every single day, which means, you know, a 90 minute to a two hour block of time of you sprint Mm -hmm. And then you get away for anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes of just the download, decompress, don't think of anything, clear your head, and then get back into that for that 90 minute, two hours. Most entrepreneurs that I know that are, are having great successes, if they can block two of those, meaning, you know, three and a half, four hours, and that's their day, but mm -hmm. it is absolutely, they're bunkered in, no distractions, no phones, no alerts, no notifications, man, they're getting a week's worth of work done for most people who oh, are busy trying to multitask, you know, and going, oh, phone, oh, alert, oh, yeah. check on this. Oh, now let me write my ad copy. Oh, wait, let me get back to this email. And then, yeah. it's, just, uh, then it's just a train wreck. Yeah, 100% agree. And it's funny you mentioned the 90 minutes because I've, I've started to structure more of how I schedule my weeks around those and scheduling things with the intention to put them into 90 minute blocks. And then that's carrying over and I'm working with my coach on thinking of my, my sleep in that same way. Like the goal is to get four of those 90 minute cycles per night. And I think that's just a good rhythm to think about, um, to not go into a block of time expecting that we're going to have four hours of uninterrupted focus time. Like to me, that's, that's unrealistic, especially if we're operating kind of that zone of genius. Like that's, you know, like it's, it's, it's what we're good at, but it's also tasking. Like it drains our, our energy level reserves to a certain extent because it's uh, a lot of times it's problem solving. If we're entrepreneurs, it could be risking rejection if we're doing outbound prospecting. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, but um, I think it's unrealistic for the most part to go into like a four hour block of time and say, I'm going to be focused for four hours straight, much better to go 90 minutes, clear my head, come back another 90 minutes. And then if you have some extra time after that, great, use it. Uh, so I, lo I love that 90 minute approach. It's, I mean, that's, it's in the process of kind of changing my life right now. So it's always encouraging to hear other people arriving at those things, you know, completely separately on their own and kind of coming to some of the same conclusions, which is awesome. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It, it, that those blocks uh, to me, and and say you, you just watch someone from afar multitask and mm -hmm. try to do a bunch of things, and and you just know it's it's that it's the eighty twenty. It's the power curve thing, right? It's yeah. like you you know that they're operating at fifty percent, doing five things at fifty yeah. percent, and then they look back, you know, a month later, and they're like, oh, I got very little return on anything, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you were showing up at fifty percent for everything. 
right? Yeah, it's yeah like exactly. You're, you're getting a 15% return on that 50% effort. Yeah, yeah 15%, that, that doesn't feel good. Um, no, it doesn't. There's nothing worse <laughs> than ending the day and, and feeling like you've done that. Man, that's the worst feeling as an entrepreneur is getting done with like an eight or 10 hour work day and going, did I actually push anything forward today? <laughs> anyway. It's like, someone yeah. asked you, it's like, what'd you do today? Like I was feeling like I was on my phone a lot. Like I feel like I was emailing a lot. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. Boy, did I do a lot of stuff. I can tell yeah. you that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk. Uh, you mentioned the value bomb. I'd love to talk about that in the few minutes that we have left because I think this is super, super important. So how do you, what's your ideal model for how do you construct a value bomb? You know, a, a value bomb to me has always been the thing. I guess that uh, if you're talking about kind of those sub superpowers, you know, mm -hmm. it is when when someone is looking for that that key client, that avatar, and they're looking for you know number one, just identify what is the one big problem they're having, just just mm -hmm. the one. Uh, as soon as we start to create this value bomb or this offer, and we're starting to think of the eight or the ten or the twelve things, then our our message gets fuzzied and blurred and diluted and goes yeah. all over the place. Yep. It's like, okay, what's the one big problem? And then once we're figuring out the one big problem, then I just want to take anywhere from three to four just little tiny sub little branches off of that and say, now, what are the things that cause that one big problem? And if we can address those three or four branches within the offer, thus the value bomb. So if someone's like, you know, my business is struggling because of leads. Well, okay, let's figure out the whole, what, what leads really means. Yeah. And if we can figure out, well, okay, it's because their offer, it's because of their audience, it's because they don't have a single good deliverable, it's because their sales conversions, because their marketing method. These are really the five reasons that they're not creating leads. This, this is the real issue. So yeah. let's now create a solution for these five things. So the value bomb is we're going to create the marketing mechanism, the sales conversion, mm -hmm. the offer formula, and we're going to put all of those together. So then when you present it to the client as this is what will create the solution for that one big thing, now all of a sudden they have this value bomb. And if you're doing it right, hopefully there's a team in place that is helping to execute this value bomb. So they mm -hmm. not only see the value in the team, that's all stepping in to help this out. But you have a whole bunch of people that have that one genius, one genius, one genius that are all creating this thing that otherwise I could not create by myself. But if I have a team of three, four, five of us, and we say, here's how we're going to execute this, this million dollar plan for you, you know, and create this next million dollar revenue stream. That's some pretty big stuff rather than me showing up and saying, well, let me help you with leads for X dollars a month. And they're like, oh, okay, uh, not that much value there. Yeah, I agree. And, and there's, man, there's so much good stuff to dig into. I'll, I'll pull out a couple of things that jumped out to me. So number one uh, was building an offer that by its very nature addresses the biggest objections or the biggest sub problems within the problem. The, the cause, in other words, the causes of the problem, right? Which is amazing, by the way. I love, love that approach. Uh, it, it takes, you know, some hard mental effort and thought to really dig into what the client's problems are, what the sub problems are, and then figure out a, an offer. Like it, it takes some effort, um, but that approaches it goes a long way towards it. And then you mentioned just briefly having a team behind you that delivers the solution where each team member focuses on their genius. Um, that, that, that's definitely like resonates with my experience, which was like building the podcast production business. Initially we had people that were, I would say, uh, 
like a certain kind of generalist. Like we had several staff and they would each do two or three or four things or whatever. And, and some of it was, they were really good at some of it. They were good enough at, yep. um, as the business grew, I had a decision to make, which was, do I keep adding more people that do several things or do I separate everybody out by role? Even if that means keeping some people at part-time and, you know, kind of finagling things that everybody could be a specialist. And I got way, way better results by specializing everyone, every single person in the business is specialized. It, 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 I, I can talk about this stuff for days and weeks and months, uh, but I, I look at everything. And, and then this was back in high school. I was looking at stuff like this in college, but it's just that, that 80, 20 power curve, 80, 20 yeah. power curve is, is when, when you're, when you're operating at 80%, uh, that sounds good, you know, because you're in, you get into that 20% range and, you know, when we're younger, people are like, oh, you're part of that 20%. Well, if you look at what the curve looks like, if you're just into that 20%, you're, you're operating at maybe 50% capacity. Okay. When, you're, when you're at that 1%, so that, that power curve that goes up here and you're starting to branch up at that 1%, if you are operating there and that's the majority of your day, that means you're, just, you're in this just zone of genius, that brilliant area that you can actually operate. And, and that is where you are delivering the value. That is where you're going to receive the money because you are world-class freaking genius up here. And over here, this is not your genius. So then who is that world-class marketing mechanism person? Mm -hmm. Who is that world-class sales conversion? Who is that world-class offer specialist? Who is that world-class lead gen? Who is that lead-class AdWords, Facebook, you know, Google yep. platform? When, you, when you're finding those one percenters, you go to people with the confidence and the certainty of saying, yes, we can do this to your business. Yeah, because we're all operating in that 1% range rather than, yeah, yeah we're, all, we're all pretty good. Eh, we're pretty good. <laughs> um, then all of a sudden, your certainty kind of jumps out the window, right? Yeah, exactly. And that 100% that affects your ability to close sales. Uh, you're, you're kind of, you, you know, I talked to someone yesterday and they, you know, and they used a couple times in the conversation, you know, hope. Well, mm -hmm. we hope we're going to, and I hope that we can. I'm like, yeah. let's, yeah. let's can we move away from that word, please? Um, <laughs> we create a plan and certainty that allows you to operate up here. So we're pulling hope out of your, out of your strategy. Yeah. And there, there's a, there's a lot, I mean, we, there's so much we could dive into. Um, I will say it's, it, one of the challenges I see a lot with coaches and consultants is the willingness to let go and let other people operate in their 1%. And that's that. There's 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 a few elements involved. I'm curious what your perspective is on it. I've I've got a few a, a few opinions. When you when you encounter someone that has a hard time letting go of certain elements of the business, um, what do you find is usually the cause and and what and the things that help them release that? Uh, I'm, I'm working with a couple of people right now, <laughs> and uh, always working with those people. But number one is that they will use a story, uh, which just is very disempowering story, which is I'm a perfectionist. Well. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not a perfectionist. It's I like to create excuses to hold on to tasks longer and to stall in my decision making and to allow others to showcase inside of my business. Okay. So they they are world class at creating this perfectionist. You know, I'm a perfectionist, which is just a complete storytelling. That's just I like to go slow. I like to go slow. I like to stall. I like to rethink and, and you know, go mm -hmm. through all that nonsense is number one. And then number two is that there is this other side is this scarcity nonsense that goes on where people actually believe that, well, if I'm paying somebody else to do this, so if I'm making 
a thousand dollars and I'm paying someone five hundred dollars. I just I cut my margin in half, and what am I mm-hmm. going to do? Mm-hmm. They, they just don't understand the, the business concept of being able to actually grow the business because now the value and the results that you're delivering are so much greater so that the clients you can attract are so much higher. The mm-hmm. referrals that you're gaining, the testimonials are so much quality. So yes. I get to give some of these testimonials uh, that other people bring to me about you know, these, these multiple six-figure months, about $42,000 days, about going from one application to 18 applications in a few days. And, and that happens not because there's much going on up here, I promise you, but it's, there's just enough going on up here where there's three or four other people that are all bringing their 1% to these packages too. And when we're all showing up, then that scarcity and that, well, I'm a perfectionist thing, we can talk those things out the window. Yeah, I agree that that the the inability to um, to focus on growing the business and, and envisioning more and more of your ide- ideal clients versus trying to monetize your your existing clients, um, man, it causes us to twist ourselves in circles in really interesting ways. Um, whether it's by creating new things for the same people because we already have people kind of coming into our world and we get that that idea that that's a scarce thing. And so, well, we better figure out how to monetize the people that are already in our world. And if you're McKinsey, you know, and you've got an army of consultants, yeah, maybe come up with another product you can sell to, you know, the massive Fortune 500 customer who will write you a a six-figure check. Yeah. Fine. Um, If you're an entrepreneur, coach, consultant with a small team, and the thing you have to create comes directly out of your brain, and it's somebody renting your brain and your your superpower, that's a much bigger deal. And it takes a lot of bandwidth to create something else. And I see a lot of people doing that. It's very tempting. And I think that's part of what I liked about what you said about the primary offer is figure out what the primary offer is and the value bomb, and then everything else is secondary. Uh, you have, you know, one, sell one thing to one ideal client and do it as much as you can for as long as you can. That's like, that's where the most profit is. It is. Uh, yeah, and I, I know we're on time here, so keep it mm-hmm. condensed. But the, the, one of the things I, I, I just, you know, I've spent 10 years talking about the mutual fund approach. <laughs> People take okay. on this mutual fund approach to, to their life and they take it on in their business. People take on that, well, this thing didn't work, so I'm going to add it on to another sales conversion and a third sales conversion process and a fourth yeah. and a fifth. And, then, and these first three marketing mechanisms didn't work, so I'm going to add a third, a fourth, a fifth. So we all have these baskets with, with this mutual fund approach, right? Because when yeah. we were kids, we're all told uh, only an idiot would, uh, would invest in a single stock. That's so risky. Uh, you got to get a mutual fund. You got to get all of these things, right? You yeah. got to watch Diversify. all this thing. Yes. Terrible advice. You got to to do that. Right. And, and one of the things that we will do just, you know, within the first 30 days of working with somebody is that we're going to sit down in our model that we call it the power of ones. And and I was very fortunate that I, 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 coached directly with a gentleman, Clay Collins, who was the, the, the founder and co-founder of lead pages. Oh, cool. I, I coached directly one-to-one with him and, and spent three days at his ha- house up in Minnesota back in 2012. And he was actually the one who was, was primarily responsible for, it's like this power of ones. It's like, what is the one offer, the one mechanism, the one traffic source, the one sales conversion, the one deliverable, the one outcome result. So when you focus on those and if you do it for a year, suddenly you grow a million dollar business. Yeah. So the, the, the power of ones it, 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 it allows you to, again, power curve, one thing, very top, what's the absolute one thing you're great at, focus only on that one thing, and then just stack those ones. 
stack mm-hmm. all of those great yeah. ones, and then you get these incredible results. But if you if you have five mechanisms, five deliverables, five offers, five everything's diluted, everything is scattered, everything is mutual fund approach. So you're trying to look after 30 or 40 things and, and everything suffers. Yeah. Yep. And you feel busy without making progress. And sometimes that, uh, that, that delivers that martyr feeling that we secretly want rather than <laughs> the hard mental work of doing what it takes to simplify. Isn't that the truth? I, I've, yeah. I've done the martyr thing in the past and it's not as fun as you would think. No, it's not. All right. So Dallas, how do people connect with you? Um, a great way to go is if they just want to go to the, uh, the homepage at dallashardcastle.com. Uh, they can see a little video there and we actually have a cool little, uh, five, uh, five training series that uh, people can get in. And it, and it really talks a lot about precisely what we've spoken of today is uh, mm-hmm. how to really be able to use five steps to get themselves, uh, moving into a, a, a quick, decisive business and then that they can amplify, uh, out to a whole lot of people. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, really appreciate your time. I'm, I'm super pumped. We we're able to talk through the, some of these things and, and pleasantly surprised to find that we ag- agreed and, and, and talk about a lot of the same things, which is awesome. Um, and so, yeah, can't encourage people enough to go do that. So I, Dallas, again, appreciate the time. Matt, thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done-for-you podcasting service. Uh, That is my agency that I'm building and growing, and I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at PursuingResults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes, and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.